You're listening to Living Alone Together. I am your only host, Yen. Um, so I've been meaning to record and upload this episode for quite some time. It's just that I never got to finish a whole episode. I got distracted very easily. Um, today I will do this um, because this is a really important episode. Because this is my first episode recorded in the UK. As some of you may know, I recently moved to the UK from from Taiwan, so that's a quite a big move. And um, so I guess today I want to talk about this, how I feel about the country so far, what I've observed so far, and then if we've got time, I could talk about the topic for today.、Um, so yeah,、uh, where should I start? Right, the move.、Um, Well, the logistics very tedious. Nothing interesting to talk about. I mean, everyone's circumstance is going to be a bit different when it comes to moving long distance like this.、Um, I guess for me, it was the visa.、Um, I had to update my passport in order to apply for the visa.、Um, update my renew my passport,、uh, and also I.、Um, Had to sell a lot of my crap. I didn't want to just throw them away, so I spent a lot of time、um, taking pictures, uploading them, explaining what this is,、um, beg people for for money, essentially for buying secondhand things.、Uh, everything went really, really smoothly. I mean, things that I didn't think would sell got sold, so that's good. Um, and then packing and deciding what to bring—that's also a big hassle. But I ended up with a suitcase and a duffel bag and a carry-on. So in total, about thirty-five kilograms of, well, crap, really. <laughs>、um, I mean, I guess about ten or fifteen kilograms of these were were clothes, and then about ten were the suitcase and the bags. Themselves, and then the next, like the rest of it, was just my keyboard, my camera. I even brought my Mac Mini with me, and just the electronics and some of the essentials like contact lens and the things you can imagine.、Um, so yeah, so the logistics very very tedious. Nothing to talk about really. Um, um, then I was. So I'm currently in a place that's close to London, but not exactly London, and、uh, I think it's properly classified as a town.、Um, and I will—I haven't visited London yet. I'll do that in a few days, and maybe I'll do an episode very quickly about how I find London.、Um, so the move is done,、um, but it's not technically over yet because I haven't. Really found a place to settle yet? It's not exactly、um, a place I'm renting right now. I am in an Airbnb, and I'm lucky enough to have found a place that's available for a few weeks. So yeah, I'm just gonna stay in the same place for a few few weeks, and maybe in between I'll move to London and other cities just to see what's like.、Um, the good thing about having only well, not only, but having just two bags of things is that you. It's not too much. Uh, of a hassle to really move around, so I was even thinking of、um, 
donating some of my stuff already uh, especially one or two books I have and if I could just compress everything into one suitcase then really it's no big deal to go around the country and to um, to find places before I actually found um, a good rental place so renting is a bit more difficult than I expected so that is a bit problematic but I guess I'll deal with it somehow so there's that there is the logistics and then um, what else I have pretty much no jet lag or yeah nothing at all because I pretty much lived um, uh, London time when I was in Taiwan so meaning that I was a night owl and um, had my day and night reversed so now I'm I, I've been fine and uh, I've been able to just maintain a good routine um, after arriving here um, the only thing that is <laughs> expected but still not exactly good is that I've got to cook every single meal every single day and uh, you didn't have to do that if you lived in Taiwan because um, it's just so easy to 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 buy takeaways and uh, it wouldn't cost um, it wouldn't cost that much more uh, but here I suspect it's not gonna be a good thing if you don't cook that much so I decided to just pretty much prep every single meal um, and it's just horrendous what I'm making <laughs> so I've got this bowl of um, pasta or some sort of noodle or carbohydrates and then I would microwave spinach and then I would uh, stir fry some chicken and that would be a meal um, it's really really bad but <laughs> I get by um, that's about it for um, the non-interesting stuff and then a little bit about the observation here so believe it or not I'm gonna start with um, the weather well <laughs> so as you know it's already almost June I was expecting a full summer so I only brought my summer clothes uh, summer dresses um, but when I first got here about 10 days ago or so I actually had to um, to to wear a winter jacket sorry a winter coat when it was rainy it's unbelievable I had to wear a sweater uh, long sleeves and then um, trousers and then winter coat so the only thing I'm missing from a full winter attire um, was probably my mittens or something but I could actually see people wearing their mittens on the street so you, you know how cold it is it's about 15 degrees but uh, really windy and if it's rainy then it's bad and then even when it's sunny it's still very windy um, so I cannot leave without the jacket um, yeah so it's not exactly a full summer that I was expecting so that's the weather but a good thing or a bad thing is that it's really shiny sorry yeah sun shiny all day long so until 9 to 9 30 in uh, at night it then starts to get dark but before that it's just it's just really pretty and um, sometimes warm with the with the sun right um, so there's that the weather and in the town that I'm in right now uh, you've just you've just have the 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 most beautiful um, flowers everywhere and it's very green um, and it would be a great place to retire I imagine <laughs> so a lot of families walking 
uh, on the streets and it's just very peaceful, very quiet, very chill. Um, not too many shops unless you're in the so-called city center, but uh, which means that in exchange you get some peace on the street. So that's that's that. Um, I've got to see what London is like. And um, right, and then a few observations. So I think the people are really nice, very polite. Um, I think 95% of them say thank you to the bus driver, which doesn't happen at all in Germany. I think in Germany, I don't recall that at all. In Taipei, I think it's about 30 to 40% of the time people will say thank you to the driver. But here in Britain, it's 95% or more. Every, almost every single person does it. So there's that. Um, and then, well, there are two things that I wanted to share. <laughs> um, two observations. So as you know, I uh, currently have a bit of free time just to roam around in the, well, in the country and I got this bus ticket or the bus ticket pass thingy which allows me to travel uh, for seven days for a fixed price. Um, I decided to go around, you know, just to see, check out the really tiny villages but that turned out to have a big cathedral, uh, places like these. And I got two observations, alright? So the first one, which is um, well, which is something I've only observed in Britain so far, is the, well, the charity shops. So I've never, in Taipei, they're virtually non-existent. Um, in Germany, I don't think I've noticed them at all. But in Britain, I mean, even in the smallest villages, let's say, with a population of 10,000, you would you would see charity shops on the street, on the main street. Um, by charity shop, I mean shops that get stuff that people donate and then they sell them, um, so, and then donate the money to, to charities. I suppose that's how it, how it works. Yeah, so it's surprising how these are almost everywhere. I don't know why. Uh, I don't know if there's a cultural exp explanation for this. I guess it makes it very convenient. You want to get rid of things and you can just donate them. Um, so that's one thing that I have not seen in different in other countries. Uh, another thing is in... Yeah, this is the real meat of the thing. <laughs> Which is um, real estate agents. So um, this is also something you see almost everywhere, even if it's just a small town. You would still see two or three different real estate agents, um, agencies on the street and um, selling houses that are of a ridiculous price. I mean, by ridiculous, I mean about four, four hundred thousand pounds or so. So please change it to your own currency. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, that's what's going on. And um, in a really quiet region, you could see a house being sold, uh, or yeah, already sold, um, by different different agencies. So. I don't know. Maybe the they've got a really vibrant uh, real estate market here. I'm not so sure. Um, as for renting, I've looked it up. If you go, I I mean obviously it depends on the region. But 
the range goes like this. I think if you are looking to do a house share, which means you only have your own room and the toilet is outside and the kitchen is outside and you share everything else for one person, so for um, a single bed or a double bed, let's say, I think the price ranges from 600 to 900 pounds, um, no matter where you go. So even in cheaper regions, I think that's about the right price, 600 to, to 900 per month. Uh, that probably includes all the other things you might have to pay, including gas and water and all that. Uh, but you might have to pay something extra, which is council tax. I haven't had the time to research into that yet, but anyway, that's about the price you gotta pay. So, that's pretty pricey, right? Uh, if you want a ensuite bathroom in your single room, then it goes up to a thousand pounds. Um, and it's not necessarily in the city centre. Um, then if you want like a whole place to yourself, a one bedroom or a studio, which are very rare, uh, I think it's about 1,200 to 1,400, depending on the region. Um, so that's about the rental. That's about it for the rental market. So that's just the observation so far. Um, yeah, I don't know what to make of this. <laughs> I mean, uh, I... Of course, if I had the choice, I would prefer just living by myself, but yeah. Um, and the thing is, it's not very easy to rent a place because most of them are done through the um, real estate agents. And uh, in order to rent a place, you not only need to have the funds, you need to um, prove that you're employed or you um, have an income that exceeds 2.5 times the monthly rent. Um, and if you don't have that proof, you gotta find a guarantor or some references whose income is about, I think, seven times the the uh, the rent, which is to say that they can afford to feed themselves and you. So that's uh, a bit tricky because in Taipei, um, not that everyone anyone asks, but in Taipei, suppose you want to rent a place, what you've got to do simply is to deposit three months of rent. Uh, which is to say two months are for the deposit and then one month is for the first month of rent, right? Um, as long as you have the money, then you you, you ask for uh, viewing, you go see the place um, and then if you like it, you better just sign the contract on the spot. So typically the landlord or the landlady would bring the contract with them during the viewing and you would just sign on the spot, give them the deposits and the rent um, and then it's yours. It's as simple as that. So for me, I could just find a, I typically find a place in two or three days because you got to make the decision very quickly because good places are taken in a second. So if you like it, you uh, you know you just have to sign it on the spot. Um, so it's very different. Um, you got to go through the agency, so that's a bit problematic. Or else you have to go to a, a house sharing app and find if. And see if anyone is looking for a roommate but in that case still <laughs> there's still a lot of work to do you gotta put up a whole profile like a dating profile or something and put up your picture describe who you are all that crap you know interests hobbies blah 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 just prove that you're a normal person and then um, if you're interested in your place you gotta um, message the person but 
you cannot message immediately. So you got to pay for a membership for that app in order to message immediately, or else you have to wait for a week or so before it got released. So all of this is a big hassle. It's just very unfortunate. Uh, personally, I've decided to to forfeit all of this. So for now, um, I'm just gonna move around in Airbnbs and see what how how it goes until I find a job, and then I can settle down. So that's kind of the plan for now. It's a bit personal, but anyway, just to share with you. <laughs> Not that this is is uh, exactly a global podcast or anything, so I don't really mind. Um, yeah, I would say that overall it's pretty um, it's pretty idyllic. Is that how you pronounce it? Idyllic, idyllic. Anyway, you know what I mean. Uh, it's just very very quiet, very chill. You could um, just walk around the town for the entire day. You'll be good. So other than the rental price, the housing, actually the cost of living. Obviously, there's a thing called the cost of living crisis. So far, I, I suppose that's uh, how they call it. But um, well, compared to Taipei, it really isn't that bad. So if you do your grocery every day, you'll be fine. Uh, in terms of how much you can spend on food and transportation, um, I don't know about cars or anything. So, if you're gonna do with public transport, then you're you're good to go. And if you uh, if you have a bicycle, that'll be better. Um, so it's uh it's good. I think it's everything is good so far. Um, the only bad thing that really happened to me when I was here or on my way here was at King's Cross. Um, station, so I got I almost got my luggage stolen. So this guy was I was just ordering something. It was two meters away from me, and then some guy just took my suitcase and my duffel bag, which was on the suitcase. And then, cause I I saw that it's gone, so I ran after him and I called him out. And then he I guess it was too heavy, so he left them. There and then he ran away. So that was about it. And then the young person, a young man, told me that he saw that as well. He was going to chase after him as well. And everyone else was really helpful. People at the store were uh, really helpful. So overall, it was okay, and I didn't lose my things. So um, still, it got me. Um, yeah, it's not exactly safe, <laughs> is it? If you're in a big station and you just gotta keep your stuff at all times. And at the train stations, you could hear. Announcements like if you suspect that anything is wrong, please contact um, our our staff. Something like that. So that's not exactly welcoming, is it? Because the same kind of announcement you can hear in Paris, uh, in their metro as well. Because in Paris they will make the announcement in three or four different languages, telling you to um, hold on to your stuff, make sure that. Um, your belongings are are with you at all times, something like that, which means that thief is definitely a problem. So I suspect that um, at train stations, a lot of things could go wrong. Who knows? Um, so there's that. Um, oh, one tiny complaint I have about about this country so far is just that the um, data or mobile service isn't exactly so good. I feel like well, for one, I think ninety percent of the region still also only has uh, five four G. So they 
sometimes you can even see 3G on the phone and um, that's not a big problem but sometimes the internet is really slow and or the connection is just not good enough. I think that's one real difference I can <laughs> observe or one drawback um, um, that I could point out. Other than that, things have been okay. Um, that's about it for my observation of the UK. Um, there is something else I want to say though, um, because I'm in a town right now, um, I, I see a lot of just families, um, nuclear families walking around on the streets, um, tending to their own children, caring for their own bicycles or cars or taking care of the gardens and all that. So it's a really family friendly kind of thing, kind of place. Not just this town, a bunch of other towns nearby um, feel the same. In other words, it's not exactly commercial, um, not not really busy. Um, and it got me thinking about this. Are, is this essentially what's going to happen for the rest of their life? So suppose you are 40-something, you've got a child for um, two, one or two children who are about 10, 15 or so. Is this essentially what life is about, you know? Just um, educating your children, taking them outside, playing tennis, running around, doing some sports, making sure they're okay, feed them. If that's the case, for me personally, it's a bit dreadful. I mean, <laughs> I'm just being honest. I mean, I, yes, it looks very idyllic. I gotta figure out how to pronounce the word. Anyway, but you know what I mean. It looks very peaceful and just very nice, lovely. Um, but uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to play the pronunciation of that word right now. Idyllic. Idyllic, yes, I was right. So it's very idyllic, um, dreamy, or <laughs> you know what I mean. But isn't that kind of boring? I don't know. I'm really curious because everyone seems so happy and satisfied with this kind of life. So I just, and it seems like almost everyone aspires to this kind of life, right? You know, you just want, but that can possibly be true. Because why else would there be so few people in these towns, which are by definition less populous than, than the cities, right? So, you know, I'm really looking forward to go to London right now to see what it's like um, if you're single and, you know, you just want to be in a city and minding your own business and not tending children. Because otherwise, I don't really know. I, yes, idyllic, happy, content, satisfied. But it might not exactly be for me. So there's that. That's something I gotta find out soon. Uh, whether or not this is the essence or um, the best parts of life. I don't know. I've got to find out. Alright, so that's about it for observations in the UK. Um, nothing special. Um, although I must say, I also do think, oh, how unfair life is <laughs> a lot when I was walking on the streets, just like how beautiful the houses are, how beautiful their gardens are and all that. And I was thinking, why in the world could people stand uh, not living in this place once they've seen this place, right? 
Um, but that's not the topic, maybe not for today. So let's go to um, the topic for today. <laughs> and it's gonna sound very sad when I say it, but I'm gonna say it nonetheless. So as you know, this podcast, after all, is called uh, Living Alone Together, which means that I really do that a lot, living alone, that is. Um, and recently I've been wondering, um, you know, what exactly, I mean, why, why do I feel the pressure to make friends almost all the time? <laughs> okay, I've said it, I've let it out. I mean, it's just... There's no real moment of being alone. Um, I don't know how to explain this. So, for instance, I am alone quite often. But when I'm doing stuff alone, I still feel the the na- um, the nagging pressure to, to, to be outside, meet new people and all that. And it's just very annoying. So, for instance, if you're reading a book, right? And the book will be about some protagonist who's got some problems or and then they're going to solve the problems by eventually um finding friends to help her or him right um i mean like the whole society it's just too social for me (laughs) and and it's really annoying because you're supposed to be okay being alone but then you feel this pressure to to be social to be to find friends and then you can't help but wonder are you being too cynical right so this kind of like the, the the term friends could be replaced by commercialism, and I think there's definitely a real trend in promoting um, not buying too much stuff, not uh, but trying to be more environmentally friendly, trying to be more conscious of what you need and what you want, and trying to just spend wisely, and not buy into commercial crap i think there is this trend so i think people really spend a lot of time fighting towards this goal of just being sustainable and knowing your real needs right um but with the friends thing it's not exactly the case where people will advocate for having no friends and being yes i i suppose there is a trend of um being mindful of what you call toxic relationships and all that but it's i think it's rather niche compared to um being mindful of what you buy physically right um and i'm not even talking about the extremes of of toxic relationships i'm just saying that is in general um why is it that we are still a a uh, pro-friend society pro-natal society, pro-family society, and pro-gathering society. I think that's pretty much how the society is geared towards in general. So uh, it ties back to finding a house, for example. Like, it would be much easier if you got one or two friends already and you could be roommates, then it would be much easier to find a flat together, to share the house, and you will probably be happier with your friends than with some strangers, right? So I think... Just the structure of everything is geared towards making friends, um, making families, um, being together with someone, doing something not alone. And even when you're doing in something innocuous like reading, you will still find this pro-friendship kind of narrative of how the protagonist eventually um, is saved because of her friends, right? It's not exactly annoying. I was just wondering 
what exactly is this deal? Um, personally, I mean, I've only got a few very close friends, but a lot of them are male friends, so I don't really have a big tribe of, of women friends or female friends, but I don't know, that just got me thinking, because that's the thing about watching TV, watching movies, or reading, like, you're supposed to be okay doing these things alone and it, it is okay to do things alone but then the story the narrative itself still promotes this friendship thing and um especially when it comes to to movies let's say i suppose that a lot of them secretly get funding from the government for a pronatal na uh, narrative that is to say they encourage you to to have sex and have children so that um the economy will keep growing but it's obviously it's not grounded it's just my suspicion that that's why most of the things are about um finding your love finding your family finding your tribe and all that uh, I'm not, I'm using friends and finding love indistinguishably because I think they're indistinguishable. I mean, after all, it's based on friendship. So, um, yeah, so that's just a little bit of a whinge, <laughs> as British people may say, just complaining as usual. Um, so that's what I've been thinking. There's no theory behind this. It's just really just complaining. <laughs> so it's completely useless if you're really happy and content with the state of society and what you do in your daily on a daily basis. Um, anyway, I'm not saying that you should you should try to be completely alone. That's not what I'm I'm asking. Uh, it's just that even when I'm reading, you get this feeling that the author wants you to go out and have fun instead, <laughs> and that's kind of annoying. Um, one thing though is that I currently uh, reread um, Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine, and um, I have very different feelings uh, about it from two or three years ago when I first read it. So I think it really touched me on a personal level about two or three years ago when I first read the book. If you don't know what the book is about, it's a it's about a woman. Uh, who's 30, dealing with the traumatic past, and, um, but it's not exactly melodramatic, it's just that it's about her daily life, really, uh, being an office worker and some of the new people she met, but it's just the narration, you can feel her loneliness in, in talking about all of this, and, um, in some parts of the book, you're gonna see traces of her past, where she was hurt in the past, and all that, I think when I first read it, I found it to be the most profound and just interesting, funny, but sad book at the same time. I really, really liked it. So I decided to read it for the second time um, yesterday. Um, and I don't know how to feel about my feeling now, but I don't feel as connected to the character. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Maybe it's supposed to mean that I am less like the character now <laughs> which i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing but it's just interesting how how you change right um so highly recommend well reading this book and also maybe finding a book you like and rereading it just to see how you've changed maybe all right so it's a beautiful day um 
one is supposed to, by the way it's a bank holiday here which means uh, a national holiday here so uh, I suppose one is supposed to just go out um, again right about the pro friend pro friendship narrative in the society another thing is that if you're talking to someone else and when you're being social and all that you definitely don't want to start a story with just yourself. You definitely want to include the story, include someone in the story, so that the people who are listening to the story wouldn't find you pathetic. I feel like this is general trend. Um, another thing, uh, which is totally irrelevant to what I'm talking about right now, but just an observation, a real-life observation. So the other day, I was sitting in a pub, and... Um, I was alone, I was doing my own stuff, um, and um, a bunch of students were uh, sitting beside me, and they, oh my god, I, I shouldn't be doing this, but I heard them nonetheless, so they were just talking about the most um, conventionally undergraduate topics, um, so for instance, um, um, this girl, she's just saying that I'm a totally different person when I speak French versus when I speak English versus when I speak whatever language, whatever other language she speaks. <laughs> and then and then they would go into a whole discussion of very superficial ling linguistics of all of these countries, uh, sorry, all of these languages uh, she, she mentioned. Uh, and... Um, so it's all very tiresome listening to them because I've been there and I know exactly how that conversation is going to go. So, I don't know. It's all very tedious. And then the guy, another, like, he, he took up, he took out his phone and then he, um, started to share, started to share, um, the, um, something he saw, uh, earlier. So it was a Reddit post. <laughs> It's just ridiculous because I saw the exact same post the same day and it turned out it became their topic of conversation. So there you go. <laughs> Some very mundane observation uh, when I was drinking and <laughs> and now it's so mundane that it became the topic of this pot. It became part of this podcast and it's going to be recorded forever uh, for history. So yeah, so that's about it. <laughs> Um, this is getting ridiculous. Uh, I haven't drank yet today. <laughs> I haven't drunken anything yet. So I'm not drunk. <laughs> it's just that recalling that scene, it's a bit cringe. But, well, who knows? Like, maybe that that is the essence of, well, of being in a pub. Um, right, so a completely uh, topicless episode, I think. Um, but I guess... I'll try to be better, alright? It's just that I am currently in a really, in a mist of nothing, so in a really strange state. Um, so then I would, um, I'll update a little bit, but hopefully I'll have a better, coherent, and more coherent episode um, soon. Uh, I need to gather my thoughts a little bit and plan things ahead, and I have a lot of logistics to do still. So that's about it for today. I hope it was enjoyable. <laughs> I can't really apologize if it's not. <laughs> um, well, talk to you soon. I hope to record two or three in June, all right? And hopefully it'll be a full summer instead of this half summer, half winter kind of thing. All right.
See you. Bye.